Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm talking with Joyce Sterling, who is the CEO of Iron Horse Winery in Sonoma County. Joy, so much fun to be here with you today. Thank you so much for coming out and visiting us here in West Sonoma County. Gorgeous day, blue sky, caressing breeze, great day for grapes growing. <laughs> it is a great day, a great day to be drinking bubbles. Oh my goodness. Well, of course, if you ask me, Every day is a great day for drinking bubbles. Well, I would agree, <laughs> actually. I am one of your people, for sure. Good. We are soulmates. We are. We are. You have such a fascinating story, and I couldn't be more pleased to have a few minutes of your time today. So, Well, thank you. I am uh, just getting warmed up. I like that. I can't wait to ask you what's ahead, but let's save that for a few minutes from now. Okay. <laughs> so normally I like to ask people, what was their first professional full-time job ever? Oh, my first job out of college uh, was as a journalist. I spent 10 years as a, as a newswoman when I, uh, after college. And my first job was, I'm dating myself here, was I was a copy boy for United Press International in New York City. And working the night shift, four to midnight, and when I was rewarded, I got to work a double shift till dawn, editing what was then called the B-Wire. And I just thought I was it. I was it. And um, remember, this was the 70s, and I, my aspiration was to be Woodward and Bernstein combined. Well, you went on to go work for ABC, so you were on your way. <laughs> yes, my last role in the news world was assistant um, deputy bureau chief, I should say, for ABC Network based in Los Angeles. And I got to uh, do the news coverage for the 1984 Olympics, which meant I had helicopters and, I mean, everything at my disposal. How, how fun. It was really exciting. It was very exciting. Did you say that was a career highlight? You know, that's a, uh, I also got to cover, um, again, I'm really dating myself, but uh, I got to cover uh, space shuttle landings at Edwards Air Force Base, and that was quite thrilling. Um, I've always felt that I missed my calling. I really should have been an astronaut. But to see that little speck in the sky suddenly become the shuttle as it came into view and then land in the desert was uh, was really remarkable. Um, and I, um, I think just generally feeling that as a journalist, I was responsible for getting information across. And my primary audience at the time was my grandmother. And I really had a personal mission that I wanted to make sure that the news that she digested every day was as informative and thorough as I could possibly contribute. 
Okay, so she was your audience and you wanted to make sure that whatever story you were covering, it was something she could enjoy. And and trust. And appreciate. Was it after news you got into the wine business? Yes, I had, uh, I celebrated my 10th anniversary by quitting. <laughs> and uh, it came on the heels of a uh, my annual review. My immediate superior came out from New York and told me that I was on track to be just like him. And I went home and cried. I just thought, oh, that is the last thing I want to do. And I was in the enviable position of being able to weigh heaven and hell. And amazingly, heaven won, which is not always the way the story goes. So I scooted up to Iron Horse and presented myself sort of like Thanksgiving after dinner, you waltz into the kitchen after the last dish is being dried and saying, oh, can I help? (laughs) (laughs) Because Iron Horse was already built in here, right? Uh, uh, Yes. And my uh, parents were the founders and uh, they found Iron Horse in 1976. I joined the winery in 1985. Well, when you love what you're doing, those years just quickly go by. And I do love what I'm doing. I really pinch myself every day. Number one, my family lives here. This is our business, but it's also our home. We have three generations living here from 25 to 90. And so everybody I love is all around me. And it's, um, it's extremely motivating and gratifying. When you first came to Iron Horse, what was your role? Mm, well, I kind of made it up, but I decided <laughs> on sales and marketing. Okay. And um, so that was my primary uh, responsibility was selling wine. And so I spent about 20 years traveling around the country, basically presenting wines to restaurants and hoteliers and retailers, coast to coast and a little bit abroad. We don't uh, export very much. We never have. We're, We're so small that really Illinois is export as far as we're concerned. But the, um, that was my job. I was the traveling salesperson for the winery, representing uh, our wines and showcasing them. Then did you go from that position to CEO? Pretty much. Okay. Pretty much. I don't even know how that uh, exactly happened, um, except that it did. And uh, I'm not sure anybody really noticed. <laughs> I'm sure someone noticed. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure you put your stamp on the business. Well, I tend to be bossy anyway. Oh, and okay. My- <laughs> <laughs> I haven't found that to be the case yet. So I, am, uh, I tend to be bossy, and um, and I'm extremely lucky. My brother, who happens to be my baby brother, so being bossy comes naturally. Uh, but he manages all of the vineyards, and. One thing that is so great is that his mindset is identical to mine in that what we're striving for is the highest quality. We just never want to cut any corners whatsoever. And so we have that goal. That shared vision. So let's talk about the Iron Horse brand and what you've brought to it under your leadership. Well, I view 
what I do, and I think my brother does also, is that we are fulfilling the vision of our parents. They came here in 1976, and it's hard to remember how pioneering it was to be so far west in Sonoma County. This was the most westerly vineyard at the time. We were surrounded by apple orchards, Gravenstein apple. Even the uh, UC Davis agricultural extension agents told our parents that they should go east and grow Cabernet like everybody else, and that this vineyard was too prone to frost. We risked losing 30% of the crop, and it was just too iffy. But they knew their vision was to grow Chardonnay in Pinot Noir in Green Valley, this cool, foggy area. And my job is to fulfill that vision and to make a state wines that show our special place that are unique and our entire marketing program is to make wines that are so distinctive and so delicious that you wake up at three o'clock in the morning with an undeniable thirst for iron horse and absolutely nothing else will do not even chocolate milk wow yeah that's the goal (laughs) (laughs) how much wine do you make can you say well yes we we pray for thirty thousand cases okay we pray for that now last year 2019 we came awfully darn close and it was a terrific vintage in that sense and this vintage 2020 looks we have everything crossed we feel this could be our best vintage ever which is so unbelievably exciting and in a challenging year to say the least to have something that positive and part of what we attribute it to is the air quality. The air quality is so gorgeously clean, in part because the world has been shut down. And we've seen it in all of the flowers, in all of the trees, in the birds. Just the bird song is stronger, more gorgeous and vibrant. The quail population is bigger than ever. Um, The roses are spectacular. And that is all an omen for what's going to happen in the vineyards. Well, that's exciting. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. Under your tenure, you created an interesting wine, which I have a a glass of, this ocean wine. I want you to tell our listeners how you came up with this idea. Well, first of all, um, it's a Blanc de Blanc. Mm -hmm. And uh, in 2005, that vintage, we dedicated all of our Blanc de Blanc, i.e. 100% Chardonnay bubbles, to Ocean Reserve in partnership, I'm very proud to say, with National Geographic. And the National Geographic logo is on the label. And we give $4 a bottle to National Geographic's Ocean Initiative which helps establish marine protected areas and support sustainable fishing around the globe. And this is every year. Our current vintage is 2016. So that's 11 vintages. And well, you can do the math. We do about a thousand cases a year. So it keeps growing and becomes quite a uh, respectable um, 
investment in the health of the ocean. And we chose the ocean because the Pacific is 13 miles west as the drone flies. And it is the engine of our microclimate. It creates the fog that allows us to make sparkling wine on this level of finesse and elegance. And so the health of the ocean is critical to what we do. So that's why we have that focus on okay. the ocean. Do you make another Blanc de Blanc, or is this the only one? Well, you, we make, you never know. But yes, oh, okay. we, do, we do make, sometimes we make something called Blanc de Blanc, and now uh, we have aging entourage, an additional Blanc de Blanc called Reflection that comes from, a, uh, it'll be our first single vineyard sparkling wine. And it comes from a section of vineyard that, of course, reflects in the reservoir and whence the name. So um, that's very exciting. The first vintage of that is uh, 17 which means that we'll probably be drinking it in another two years. Remember, sparkling wines, everything we make is vintage, so they're aged a minimum of three years. They kind of got to hang out for a while. Yes, the size of the bubbles, uh, it is a pure quality issue. The longer you age it, the tinier the bubbles, the better the quality. Tinier the bubbles, that means you don't get a headache. Totally. Yeah. And it's also softer in your mouth. You don't get attacked by the bubbles. For my money, when I'm drinking top-of-the-line bubbles, I don't think you should even have to swallow. I think it should just effervesce away in your mouth. Just disappear. Dissipate. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a fantasy of explaining that to the highway patrolman. Oh. <laughs> oh That's a, that might be a fantasy for sure. <laughs> uh, officer, I swear. It just dissipated. <laughs> oh, it disappeared. I don't know what you're talking about. That's a story for another day, I think. <laughs> are there other fun projects that you've initiated? I mean, well, these we are incredible. A, we make another um, another one of our special cuvées is called Gratitude. And Gratitude originally was going to be a Thanksgiving wine. And when it was ready to be released was during that first horrible fire, wildfire season. 2017. And so it acquired instantly a totally different meaning. Mm -hmm. And with that wine, we give $5 a bottle to the Redwood Empire Food Bank. And that will come out. It comes out every year in October on the anniversary of the wildfires. And, uh, and that is an annual contribution to the food bank. That's wonderful. Learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com. You know you love wine, and with Total Wine & More, you'll always drink interesting. Total Wine & More has a ridiculously large selection of over 8,000 wines. From California to Australia, Bordeaux to Argentina, all the best wine regions in the world can be found in their aisles. Whether you're looking for a rare vintage or something fun and quaffable, Total Wine & More is the place for those who know wine. Let's move on to your personal life. So you are, you really, you do have a, quite a fascinating life. You grew up in Paris. Yes. What yes. a fond memory that must be. Oh, it was probably the uh, biggest turning point in my life. I was 13 
and uh, Lawrence, my brother, was 10 when we moved in 1967. And so I spent the equivalent of high school in Paris and um, it obviously changed my life. I mean, it was just such a great experience and definitely informs my sense of quality and joie de vivre and my art appreciation. Think, you know, when Paris is your playground, the exposure to art and architecture and just beauty and um, an affinity for um, what you know just wonderful things um, so that is uh, that's just part of my makeup and how many years were you there me personally I was there for four and a half years mm -hmm. until I went to college and then I went to uh, Yale University so I was a New Englander for four years uh, and then came home to California and pursued my career in the news world and jumped back and forth cross country. It seems like every two years I had a tilt theory of the continent. You couldn't, you weren't content. I had to keep moving. So today, if we took a step inside your home, what would we see? What is your style? Is it French influenced? Oh, no, it is. Well, it, I, it's extremely eclectic. Um, and it, uh, I have a lot of art. It's my home is a very happy home. It's a very happy home, and everything in it has a story. Whether it's that chair or that table or that lithograph, um, and then um, it has a giant wraparound deck. Um, so I have vineyards on one side, our summer vegetable vegetable garden directly behind me beautiful lavender field and little baby redwoods that are growing on on the far side it's an open sunny happy happy place favorite room in your house oh my bedroom <laughs> <laughs> i have a very girly bedroom it's pink and it is uh it's just so lovely to be there i um I'm very happy in my home. When you relax, when you kick back and relax, what kind of music do you like to listen to? Well, I have my own radio station called KJOY on uh, Pandora. And <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and it includes everything from Prince to Michael Fronte to, um, um, oh my gosh, Simon and Garfunkel to... I mean, I just, again, I have no one particular kind of music that I like. Um, I, oh, Tina Turner, um, soul, romantic music. I like everything. I, uh, and I love to dance. I dance at home all the time. Dance around my house. <laughs> okay. Are, were you professionally trained? No. No. You're nope. just naturally, just, you're a natural dancer. Well, I doesn't, uh, nobody's watching. So that's how, you know what they say, dance like nobody's watching. That's me. Okay, I love it. You are just full of surprises. We're in wine country. Other than Iron Horse, what do you like to drink at home? Well, I hate to say it, but um, I really drink Iron Horse every day. Every day. Do, every are day. You so a, do my parents. Uh-huh. 
Are so you does a- my brother and his family. I think we are very, I, maybe that's our, part of our Frenchness. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we, just in the same way that um, we eat the vegetables we grow, we drink the wine we grow. Um, so when we drink someone else's wine, it's either because we're guests or we're doing a professional tasting. Are you a wine girl? I mean, are you a bubbles girl? True oh, and yeah. true. Okay, so you don't drink a cocktail or a beer or... I love vodka. I love vodka, and and uh, and I love margaritas. I'm, I uh, I think particularly, you know, right now, a strawberry or watermelon margarita is pretty fabulous. But my drink of choice is I am lovingly known in the family as a bubblehead, and I am fine with that moniker. That's okay with me, too. Bucket list item. Can you tell me one? Oh, my goodness. Um, well... I am a uh, adventurer and I love travel and I have been so lucky to have gone to so many places. I have literally, it's so much fun to be able to say this. I have been to Timbuktu and back (laughs) Um, and I have climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and whitewater rafted on the Yangtze River. And I guess right today, I don't want to feel as though travel is done forever. Oh, either do I. So I would, I very much hope that, uh, that travel is still in my, in my future. And there's so many places that I haven't been yet. Machu Picchu. I mean, just for starters, the Atacama Desert. I'd love to see the night sky. And, but again, I mentioned wanting to be an astronaut. I would be on a rocket ship in a second to see Earthrise to me would be the most unbelievable exciting thing I could possibly do oh you're braver than me (laughs) brave lady brave lady during the course of your career have you had a mentor or someone that's inspired you along the way oh I would say definitely my parents um I first of all my mother is the most gorgeous woman imaginable in every way inside and out and I have I'd say this all the time I have spent my entire life looking in the mirror saying please God let me look like her (laughs) okay you're a pretty woman she's stunning and um and completely natural which I uh admire but she also is unfailingly gracious it is so it's such a pleasure to be around her because she just naturally is thinking about you instead of herself and I think that's really fantastic my father is brilliant um and when I was um younger you know I would just be so frustrated because when we would have discussions he could just talk circles around me and it was like this isn't fair he's just so smart Um, but he, um, also, um, has always been so, um, supportive when I announced that I was moving to New York city to go into the news world and become a copy boy. (laughs) It's like, what? Daddy looked at me in all seriousness and said, does that mean you are not going to be president of the United States? How could you not just love that man? 
you know and did you did you give him a reply i said i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> not yet <laughs> but not it's today. funny because i uh now am actually very active in politics um california mm-hmm. politics but as a citizen not as an elected official i uh served on the california state food and agricultural board and Right now, one of my most favorite things that I do is go to Sacramento and work on issues that affect California-grown, what we do in agriculture, um, water issues, labor issues, climate change, uh, just everything under the sun. And I also uh, am chair of the California Democratic Democratic Party Party. Mm -hmm. Rural Caucus. And my passion project is to expand broadband into rural California. And this morning I was on a um, Zoom conference call. I'm on a work working group for the uh, FCC and um, for helping to map agricultural land in America for broadband. Right now, all broadband, uh, first of all, it's terrible, as you know, in rural areas, but almost non-existence in farmland because the telecommunication companies think in terms of households, people, not acreage. And for us to be able to use the new technology, even for something so critical as monitoring water use, which is like gold to us here in California, we just have to be careful. We need broadband to be able to do our job. So is are you optimistic? Yes. Oh, good. But I always am. Oh, so am I. <laughs> I mean, that's not a big test. But yes, I am extremely optimistic. And I'm optimistic because everybody that I'm working with in Sacramento, in Washington, D.C., on these work groups, they're from all over the country, they also want to move forward. I think, I think we're in a moment of can-do. And that's encouraging. Mm-hmm. Going back to Iron Horse for one second, I'm curious, what's ahead for the company? What do you hope to do in the future with the well, brand? One thing that uh, strikes uh, many people as strange is that um, our growth is not in size. In other words, we really want to stay a state bottle. Mm-hmm. So our growth is purely in quality. And innovation. Yes. So we've got... Um, a new winemaker. Uh, our winemaker emeritus, David Monksgard, is retiring at the end of this harvest. So we have a new winemaker. His name is Sofian Imur. And already that's built in new eyes that will definitely lead to, and he knows that the job is not to replicate what we do, take it up a notch. So that's number one. Number two, we're evolving all the time. Even in the uh, vineyards, you would think, you know, at a certain point, farming practice would be pretty set. But no, it's constantly um, evolving. And at this stage in our life at Iron Horse, it's about these small details. So right now we're focused. We have a brand new piece of equipment, which is a leaf puller. And it helps us get more sunlight through to the grapes. And that is going to improve quality right there. 
So those are the kinds of things. We also this summer are going to do something really crazy. We are going to be releasing a, what I call a craft Chardonnay in a can using the name Tin Pony. Okay, you got to explain. So back in the beginning when we had young vines, Mm -hmm. my parents started a second label called Tin Pony, the little brother of Iron Horse. And when I joined the winery, I had a lot of trouble selling Tin Pony because I wanted to sell Iron Horse. So it kind of went into disuse. We were going to lose the trademark if we didn't sell a wine by this August. So it was like, we have gotta to do, do it. Something. We gotta do something. <laughs> so we have come up with this idea of a can, Tin Pony in a can of Chardonnay, 250 milliliter can, very small amount, very small amount. But it's gonna be so much fun for when you're hiking or kayaking or any kind of outdoor thing. A 250 milliliter can is a glass of wine. I think so, it's a cute name. I think it it's so much fun and the and the and the design is fabulous. It's it's a pony, a, a rampant pony, so it fits, right. but done in a like a blue jean denim color. Okay. And um and it's vintage and it's a state and it it's you know, we're fun. And I think it really uh we believe in fun. We are big proponents of fun. This is not a stuffy environment. We think you should be able to enjoy the highest quality in the most relaxed setting. Um, some My mother sometimes feels that we're a little too relaxed. She'd like us to button up just a little more. <laughs> a little polish <laughs> yeah. would be good for her. But we're a working winery. And um, and so it's. I also love that it's innovative and it mm-hmm. shows that for all of the great history that we have, you know, the 35 years of our wines being served at the White House, that we are dynamic. We are still moving forward. And we're also looking to a new generation of, of wine drinkers, wine right. lovers, who want to experience our wines in different ways. Right. And the cans will work perfect for them. I well, we'll see. And for me too, you know, <laughs> so for anybody. <laughs> where where will people be able to purchase those? Well, we we will be canning the wine in July. Okay. Um, so uh, I'm hoping for a launch August 1st, let's just say. Okay. And, um, and you'll certainly be able to buy it from us online. Okay. Um, and then where else it goes will depend on my salesmanship. Okay. So... If you want to try it, just go to the website. Yes. And buy it. <laughs> Check it out. Well, Joy, we're going to wrap things up with five quick questions. You ready? I am. Okay. I think. <laughs> I'm you, holding onto the desk. You can do it. I have faith in you. Um, what kind of car do you drive? Uh, I drive a truck. I drive a, well, but a fancy truck. I drive a uh, BMW SUV X1. Um, because I'm lucky enough to get to drive my parents from their house to my house for lunch and back. So I need something they can fit in. Perfect. What's the last piece of candy you ate? The last piece of candy I ate was probably um, peanut brittle 
from uh, Pascaline just down the road here, their peanut brittle is really scrumptious. Okay. What's your favorite flower? Oh, that's hard. That's hard. I have so many. Um, okay, one of your favorite flowers. Okay, thank you. Well, right now I've got lavender on my mind. And um, we'll be harvesting the lavender um, in just a few weeks. And my house will be just purple haze because it all comes to my house. I shuck the flowers. I fill giant pillows, not little sachets, giant pillows. And then I have a friend in Western Marin who distills it into essential oil. And I bring him 15 giant grocery bags, paper grocery bags, full of just the flowers. Oh, my goodness. And it gets distilled into a seven, uh, 375-milliliter bottle. Amazing. Of essential oil. <laughs> Amazing process. Oh, my God. And, um, yeah, so you really want to come visit me. Well, except that I'm a little bit... Uh, like Tom Sawyer, I'll make you shuck lavender with me, but it's really, it's okay, you'll be in dreamland. Oh, absolutely. Who doesn't love the smell of lavender? Fourth question, who's your favorite president? My favorite president? Yes, who's one of your, who's one of your favorite presidents? Oh my gosh, that is a great question. Um, I would say FDR. Okay. And last question, what is one of your favorite movies? All-time favorite movies? Casablanca. There you go. Here's looking at you, kid. (laughs) Joy, you are a delight. So much fun to sit down with you today. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was really great. Visit winecountrywomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.